0: entrepreneurs do thank you so much for pulling your chair up to this virtual cool kids table Uh, I started this podcast a little over five years ago we are now well over 500 episodes Uh, over 400 of those are interviews with entrepreneurs solopreneurs and business leaders and people who are doing really cool things because I have learned in my career in my life that one thing is an absolute truth and that is success leaves clues So when we get the opportunity to have these conversations with people who are successful, they can't help it. They have to leave behind an idea, a nugget, a theory, a concept, something that's going to inspire us. And that's why I do this show. It's as much for me as it is for anybody else. It's like my own private university. And I bring in these really cool professors. And today is no different. Of course, before I get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of today's show, and that is the Bias Disruption Podcast. You've heard me talk about it before, because human behavior, it's a complicated thing, especially when it comes to living with people and working with people. And understanding why and how people do certain things and behave in groups, that is what my friends, Dr. Josh Packard and Megan Bissell, it's what they do for a living. Their podcast, The Bias Disruption, answers questions like, What is the ideal team size? How do company cultures change? And where does innovation even come from? If you have ever wondered how to make changes in your business that last, or if you just want to know more about uh, what it is to deal with people who slack off in your company, I'll tell you what, you've got to listen to the Bias Disruption podcast because Megan and Josh, they use social science and real world experience, a little bit of humor to give you those insights. So check out their show. But don't check out their show before you listen to today's episode. Today, we are going to talk to the founder and CEO of UseScreen. Uh, I am sitting here in Austin, Texas, but through the magic of the internet, he is in Washington, D.C. area. And PJ Tai is here with me today. Hey, PJ, welcome. Welcome to Cool right. Things thank Entrepreneurs you, Do. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank
1: you, Tom. I'm happy to be here.
0: Hey, you know, you weren't born with a company. Uh, Sort of what's your journey? Who is PJ? How did you get started? And uh, what are you doing today? What is Uscreen? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Awesome. So Uscreen is a video monetization platform. So basically, we help companies, entrepreneurs, individuals, content creators make money from their videos. So imagine them like launching their own Netflix. So they're uploading videos to the platform and then they're selling them as a subscription. So they're launching a fitness streaming service, a fitness training site, an educational site where they're teaching magic tricks. They're selling online courses. So ultimately, Uscreen as a platform. It's a software as a service. So you're subscribing and paying us a set platform fee. We don't take any kind of rep share or commission. And then we give you the complete platform from the website all the way to getting your own mobile apps and like Apple TV app, Roku, so you're basically building a full membership site. It's a super powerful platform. We host over a 1,000 customers all over the world, um, and I've been working on that for the last five years. Now you were asking me about my background. Um, I pretty much uh, grew up in Maryland, not too far from D.C. Our office is now in D.C., but I grew up in Maryland, suburbs of Maryland. Went to elementary, middle, high school here. Then I went to Montgomery College. Then I went to UMUC UC. Since I was in my mid-to-late teenage years, my dad has a computer reseller firm, which is still around, 25 years later. Uh, It's called FutureNet Corp. And uh, basically, they used to build uh, custom towers and computers, as you're aware, before Dell and stuff got (laughs) super popular and Macs. You used to kind of piece your computers together. Right, which so is actually
0: my- which is actually how Dell got started, right? He was a custom computer maker out of his dorm room. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. And then obviously, like,
1: it, then you don't need as many middlemans like my dad. So he wasn't reselling as much. So now he just sells Dell and, and Cisco switches and stuff. But that got my feet wet into the computer world he would bring me into the office i think i was only 15 16 and i would basically put motherboards together and hard drives and stuff which honestly i didn't enjoy too much just back then it wasn't too cool to be in this tech stuff um but i always liked business to be honest and then i started to really admire technology as time went on Uh, i'm 38 now so the year i'm talking about right now is about 95 96.com wasn't even around so early days of college.com came around and I was kind of getting acquainted towards that. I worked part-time and full-time at a certain point for Robert Half International, which is a consulting firm. And I jumped from office to, you know, office in different companies, installing networks. So I got my Microsoft certification, got my Cisco certification, CCNA. So I was, in, you know, first in, initially doing Microsoft stuff and operating system support. Then I got into Cisco. And then uh, I started my first company, which was a web hosting company, WebNet Hosting. Okay, which, <coughs> excuse me, I had for 14 years. I sold it to three years ago to a company in Canada called Entirely Digital, um, and we had about 5,500 accounts, all shared e-commerce, dedicated servers, all types of stuff. Um, within that company when it started to kind of plateau. And I honestly kind of got bored after a certain period of time doing the same thing because I never was building the software. I was per se running the operations and the business. It was still very challenging, but it got repetitive over time. As I knew the hosting business was getting very, very um, competitive with your GoDaddy and your one-on-one and and all different types of hosts, I decided to uh, go into a different route of software as a service, and um, I got into screen then, and I started that company. That's a pretty quick recap. I can dive into how I got into screen and why I went the video route, um, but that's you know that's overall what happened in the last I would say twenty years actually.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, you know, you've been doing it a long time. You know, you never really went out and had sort of that corporate-y job. What do you like about the fact that you've carved your own path for the last, gosh, it's got to be coming up on 20 years? What what do you like about that?
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. When I started web uh, hosting, that was when I was 24. Okay. So I'm 38 now. So yeah, that's that's, uh, pretty 14, 15 years. What do I like about it? I think entrepreneurship is awesome. I think it ca- kind of carves your own way. Uh, the pros are that uh, you, know, you, you work the way you want, you build the company the way you want, you have a lot of control. It's extremely satisfying in the fact that you're able to um, pretty much carve out your own niche, per se, right? And there's no, this is the fun part, there's really no manual for a software-as-a-service company. If you think about it, like right now, by day by day, minute by minute, there's more and more content online. For example, your podcast about entrepreneurship and the way to run a business and online marketing and operations and all these different revenues, subscription analytics, you name it. There's more and more data online by the minute, by the second. So it's advancing more and this knowledge is becoming public. But to be straightforward still to this day, there's really no Bible and set way to run a software as a service company. For example, in our niche, video monetization, it's actually very new. I would say the trend is recently in the last two years really taking off. And the last five years is kind of when it was invented. Yes, there's ad revenue from YouTube, but really selling your own subscription video service is something generally pretty new the last few years. So I've kind of had to invent the way we do business and the market and figure out where the money is and all that stuff. And it's definitely been challenging uh, in its own way. But the pros are you kind of carve your own niche, you run the company the way you want, you hire the people you want to hire. um, And uh, it's obviously very fruitful, both, it can be monetary fruitful, and it can also be very satisfying in what you accomplish. So it definitely has a lot of benefits. And it obviously comes with Lots of challenges.
0: (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. I've been working for myself for 11 years almost. And, uh, you know, sometimes I sit there and think, wow, it would have been so much easier to just stay as the director of marketing for a law firm or a bank and and just get the paycheck. You know, you can you can sort of phone it in when you have a job like that. You can't really phone it in when you're working for yourself because you're going to feel it in your pocketbook later.
1: Mm -hmm. And you feel it very quickly. Absolutely. It's it's almost like you got to make it happened. You know what I mean? Like that's it, it constantly, if you're not like paranoid and constantly a step forward, it's, it's almost like you're always behind, yep. you know, especially if you're in a business like ours, where your competition is your bright cove, your Vimeo, we're a YouTube alternative. We're not really competing against YouTube. A lot of our Customers, if not all, have YouTube followings, and then they monetize on top of that. But you're always a step behind. You really are until you fully gain traction and you have a USP and a differentiator between you and your competition, and you technically kind of create your blue ocean, uh, which is one of my favorite um, marketing books or audio books per se. Uh, then you're always kind of behind. You got to be, you know, making sure that you're moving forward and almost paranoid. About what's happening in the market because things move so quickly, and I'm pr- primarily talking about my experience with SaaS, software as a service, um, because what happens is it's becoming easier and easier to build software, you know, and it's the, the knowledge is starting to become more and more public and transparent about how you can do online marketing, and there's so much opportunity but there's also so much competition. So coming up you know, with different ways to market and build your software is getting easier. In that aspect, it's also more competitive.
0: Oh, without question. And it's kind of true no matter what you do. I mean, I make my living speaking at companies. I go in and do team meetings. Like we're coming up on the first of the year or so, or the end of the year. And so people often do like in November and December, they'll do like a planning session or in January or February, they'll do like a year kickoff or a sales kickoff. But the problem is I'm not famous. So it's not like people wake up and say, hey, let's go hire Tom Singer to kick off our year. Uh, and yet people who've seen me are like, oh, we have to have this guy back. So it's this catch 22 of if people don't know about me, I don't have a shot at it. If they've heard of me and someone's recommended me and I make the short list, I almost always win. So, it's really sort of this catch 22 when you're in any business between, yeah, you got to do good work, but good work alone doesn't get you doesn't get you business.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. You're right about that.
0: You know, it's, and, it's and, and people don't business. wake up, people don't wake up and say, "I need a YouTube alternative today." You know, It's not like they're that's crossing their mind. You have to get in front of them and not only get in front of them, but get in front of them with, with a way that's compelling so that they think, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to put it, Tom. Very true. It affects all types of entrepreneurship.
0: So, PJ, if someone's listening to this and they're like, God, I wish I had the life he did. I wish I was just kind of out there creating my own path. What advice do you have for people who want who want to start their own business? Maybe they want to do something solo like I do, or they want to have a growing concern, uh, you know, a company that's got employees and stuff. What 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 advice do you have?
1: Yeah, I think you gotta first make the jump. You gotta do it. If really that's your passion, don't wait. You know, I think one of the things that I hear that kind of not, I wouldn't say irritates me, but it's kind of like uh, another one. You know, is. And oftentimes you talk to people and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to have my own business or do my own thing, but I'm waiting for the right opportunity uh, or an idea to come up. Ideas are a dime a dozen. It's really execution. There's so much opportunity in online and entrepreneurship all the way from what I do to what you do, that there's a way to build your niche and it really is the beginning of tech. So there's so much opportunity. One, you got to make the jump, right? You got to make a leap into entrepreneurship. I'm going to do it. Whether you work part-time, and you get that going, which is initially what I did. I worked night shift and then got the web hosting company off the ground. Uh, so you got to take the leap and jump into it, and it's going to be extremely satisfying. Probably initially the first few months, or I would say probably the first few years, it's going to be extremely challenging. You screen's now five years old. The first three and a half years were extremely challenging. The last 18 months is where we started to really gain traction and move forward. And we've built a really good software that people love. But I will tell you, the first three and a half years was extremely difficult. Did I know it's going to take that long? No. Honestly, I thought being at my second company, I thought it was going to be a lot easier. I think I got overly excited initially. And then when (laughs) I got into the market, I realized how competitive it is. So you really don't know. It's kind of like life. If you expect life, is not easy. Life's generally not fair. So you kind of got to go through that and go over the speed bumps and have thick skin and say I really want to make it work. That's why entrepreneurs like yourself and I and many other people like on this podcast listening, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to do it. You don't second guess it. You just move forward. So I would say you got to take the leap and do it. Don't look back. You know, there's no excuse. It's kind of like I can't do this. No, you got to just got to throw that out. You got to do it.
0: Well, you, you know, bring no it, you bring up option. You bring up an interesting segue to the next question because one of the things I talk about, I do a program about how people navigate the gap between potential and performance because a lot of people when they start a business or they join a company as an employee or whatever it is, everybody's so excited about, about the potential. And yet potential doesn't equal results without performance there there are no results, and so I talk to people about sometimes you just have to take that leap i mean it's it's a true gap, and the way you crass a gap is you know sometimes you gotta you gotta jump over the cavern a little bit caver, uh, the, the chasm a little bit. So why do you think some entrepreneurs who have a lot of potential succeed and others who have the same amount of potential when they start fall into that abyss?
1: yeah, that's a really good point i I think if you were talking about from a product standpoint, like if someone was to launch a new product, the software, okay, first I'll, I'll respond on that because it's where my most of my expertise is. If you were to launch, and a podcast like yours, uh, which is super awesome and I've thought about launching my own podcast, is actually a product in itself as well. But particularly if you were talking about software as a service, building a software and selling that, if you were to talk about that, I think a lot of reason why people fail is excuse me is it could be the market Uh, it could be the competition it could be failing to build something that people love Um, that I think that's extremely competitive really building software is extremely competitive I'm not saying that because we've done it and we're not a huge company yet so hopefully we will be but it's extremely uh, hard to build a software that matches a particular market fits it really well and it grows continues to grow without getting wiped off by the competition. So I feel that's why 70, 80, 90% of software companies starting out fail. I think a lot of people from the other side of consulting, podcast, whatever it may be, running your own business and whatever you end up doing, services, one of the reasons possibly they could fail is maybe from the get-go they kind of have this – Feeling and challenge that it will be, it it might not succeed. You know, you you got to kind of prosper and kind of push yourself through and say, "I'm gonna make this work." And you really have to work hard and kind of break the rules uh, to in in, in a fine line. You know, kind of like bend the rules per se to be able to cross through that. Um, that that speed bump per se, because it is going to be challenging and you kind of really got to believe in yourself to push through because it's extremely difficult. So you just got to believe you really do.
0: (laughs) Well, I've surveyed hundreds and hundreds of people and talked to hundreds more kind of entrepreneurs and business leaders about this topic. And one of the top things that come up is if you don't believe in yourself, Nobody else will. I mean, you've got to convince investors. You've got to convince uh, customers. You've got to convince your spouse. You've got to have a lot of people on board to be able to do this entrepreneurial game. And that idea of you've got to believe in yourself, I, more more often than just about anything, entrepreneurs remind me of the famous quote by Henry Ford that is, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. And so you'd better be thinking that you can or you're going to go into that abyss. So I, I think you're, you're you're sharing the exact right advice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It very, it very much is a lonely journey. Oh, my you're God. You're kind of by yes. yourself. Yep. You obviously need support by your family, your parents, your spouse, your friends, but they're busy with their own life. You know, No one's going to help you pay those bills, hire the right people. A lot of the responsibility falls on yourself. I think it's extremely rewarding. And if it's what you're wired to do, you're going to do it anyway. It has a lot of pros, but it obviously has a lot of cons where it's extremely challenging. There's no doubt about it.
0: Well, and sometimes, you know, you find out later down the road that, you know, some of the people around you didn't really believe in you. In fact, recently I, I hit my 10 year anniversary about I don't know six or seven months ago of, of doing this as my full time job, like how I pay the mortgage, how I pay college tuition is through being a speaker and a trainer. And uh, I also host another podcast that, that I'm, I'm paid to host. And so through all those things, that's that's how I make my living. And I ran into a former coworker. And he said, I've been following you on LinkedIn and and on social media. And he said, wow, you've been doing this for a long time. And I said, yeah, over a decade. And he goes, yeah, we didn't think you were going to be able to make it when you said that's what you were going to do. He goes, we kind of all laughed at you. And it was like, I realize he told me that as a compliment. But at the same time, it makes me wonder how many people behind your back are like, "Mm, that poor man or woman just isn't going to make it as an entrepreneur. And, And those negative vibes are all around you. And sometimes you don't even know it.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. You kind of got to ignore it. You know, that's why you got to push through. It doesn't matter. If you want to make it, you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to push through. That's why I feel that the people that are going to be entrepreneurs are pushing to be entrepreneurs. And when you speak to them, you sense this. There's no doubt in their mind. This is what they want to do. Do they have doubts that they're going to make it? Absolutely. I had doubts for those three and a half years and probably to this day, sometimes are we doing the right things? Are we building the right thing? So yes, they have doubts and that's for sure true, but it's the fact that they're like, I'm going to do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to get out of my way. Yep. So that's the attitude you got to have. You got to make it happen. You got to move forward and, and go forward, you know?
0: <laughs> so PJ, I've got more questions for you, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode, So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right training, equipment, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like PJ Ta'i. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So PJ, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now?
1: Nice, nice. Well, the coolest thing in business I'm doing is one, I have you screen. I'm building a software from scratch right? And I, as in our whole company, because I'm definitely not the only one building software running the company. You really cannot do what we do or any company does without a team. So team comes first. Like, I don't thank myself. I thank my team. So a few things I would mention is the coolest thing that I feel we're doing at Uscreen is building really cool software to help people kind of share their passion and make money selling videos online. Um, a, A lot of the content we host and uh, help monetize is all types of educational content, even films, movies. Uh, The content is really agnostic as long as they're looking to kind of monetize it and they have a little bit or more of a following. So building software is truly awesome. And one of the biggest challenges I've honestly had in life, it really is, building software as much as we use software every day nowadays, apps on our phones, you know, Zoom itself we're using for this podcast, and many different softwares, just the simple fact of where the buttons are placed, what it's called, how it we found it, all those things are extremely complicated and a lot of thought went into them. Um, a lot of people that don't have knowledge with software, which used to be m- me at one point I, before the fact that I had built my own software. I took stuff for granted. You look at Instagram, for example, it looks like a very simple app. It's clean, it's beautiful, but it's very simple. Your favorite search button, everything's in one place. You just think it's super simple, but everything, the way it was placed, um, what changes, the logos, everything, there's a lot of time and testing that goes into it. And it's not that easy that you collect the data and just put the button there. To get that data, to organize your team, to set up the data points to hire the right people to execute building software is totally awesome and has been uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done.
0: Awesome. So one of the things I ask everybody who comes on the show is who they admire because I believe as an entrepreneur you have to be an observer and so when we live in this entrepreneur sphere this this world of entrepreneurship it's always fun to see who people look at and go wow she or he they're the ones doing the cool stuff so so who do you admire?
1: Yeah, I think primarily because I got into tech when I was really young and then I got my Microsoft certification. Bill Gates has always been someone I admire. Um, and then there's this new Netflix show. It's called, I Think Inside the Brain of Bill, something like that, the title. It's very cool, kind of <laughs> how he thinks. Um, but yeah, I've always been a fan of Bill Gates. I've always liked Michael Jordan um, and, and kind of the way he got his career going. I. You know, listen to uh, a lot of podcasts. I like uh, your show. I've listened to a few of your episodes and um, different influencers online and Noah Kagan of AppSumo, Gary Vee, some of his podcasts um, and, you know, other YouTubers within our field like uh, Nick Nimmin, for example, who also does some YouTube videos for us. Anything that kind of gets me reading. I love actually listening or I'm sorry, reading Medium. I think it's short form posts that are very friendly on your app, uh, on your phone. So like before I go to bed, I like reading uh, posts on Medium. Um, so those are some of the things that I like doing to to keep myself learning.
0: Awesome. And the last question I ask everybody is, Is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think, you know, if we're fortunate and if you get to carve your own path in the way, you're pretty fortunate. I think we have to do more than just make money. So, So what do you do to serve others?
1: yeah I think giving back is um, something that is has always actually been very important for me for me like uh, making money and owning a business I love doing running a business I love doing it's always been my passion but uh, for making money it's it's not always been a selfish approach i've actually always wanted to give back so um, there's definitely some organizations I donate to but uh, one thing I've done personally is I've started a personal savings account. It's called donations um, that I send money to weekly. So every time I take a salary or I take a small amount of profit, I put money into that savings account and it's it's adding up and I don't spend it. I don't touch it. I obviously pay tax on it, but um, I do want to do something special in the future. Uh, so hopefully the next few years, I'll work hard and build this business up. That fund will continue to get bigger. And then I want to either do something to help others, kids, humans, or animals. Mm -hmm. So I've always been very passionate about animals and helping kids and and people that don't have opportunities. So there's a lot of things uh, that I'll be able to put my mind towards once I have the time and attention. But I'm not going to start saving later. I am already started saving a few years ago, and uh, I'm going to be able to put that to good use.
0: See, I think that's really smart. In fact, if anybody wants to go look at the TEDx talk that I did last year, uh, you can find it on my website at tomsinger.com slash TEDx. Uh, and what's more interesting on that page is below my TEDx talk. I actually have my daughter's TEDx talk that she did when she was 17. And there's nothing worse than being a professional speaker and being shown up by your 15-year-old daughter. She's, she's 17 now, but she did her talk when she was 15. And wow. uh Uh, But if you go and watch my talk, it's called The Art of Giving Small. And I talk about the fact that you do not have to wait until you're rich to donate. If you just take a little percentage, one or two percentage points of money, and, in your case, you put it into a fund and, and save it for later, and then we'll do something with it. What I did is we started two giving funds at two children's hospitals, and it started off with like fifty dollars here, a hundred dollars there, seventy dollars there. These were all little checks, but over the past, I think it's been like thirteen years, it's well over seventy thousand dollars. And you know, if you walked into a charity with a seventy thousand dollars check, they'd be like, "Wow." You know, I don't think they said, wow, when I came and said, I want to give you a series of $25 checks and $50 checks and $300 checks over the next 13 years. I didn't think they think they thought I would stick with it, but uh, they're pretty happy with it now. So uh, I did a TEDx talk. I call it the art of giving small. So go and check that out. Uh, If you like it, share it with somebody.
1: Beautiful. I already pulled it up. I'll watch it. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> nice, and and you will enjoy watching Kate's TEDx talk better because she's the real star in in uh, of the two of us. Uh, awesome. Hey, hey, and then on top of that, uh, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, "I need to know more about Uscreen," or or this PJ guy, he sounds cool. I, I want to follow him. How do people find you?
1: Yeah, good good question. So you can always email me PJ at Uscreen.tv. That's the letter U and then screen.tv, like your computer screen. And our website is uscreen.tv, and email is PJ, Sophia's and Paul Jason Jack. Happy to speak to you. Email me, say hi. And, um, I hope, I hope somebody emails and I look forward to hearing and starting to chat. Well,
0: good. I hope somebody emails too. You know, I know people uh, listen to these shows and, and people give out their contact. And a lot of times people get shy, reach out, tell them you like the show. It's PJ at uscreen.tv. Let them know you like listening to them on cool things entrepreneurs do. And if you like the show, do me a favor. Go leave a review on, on Apple, Apple iTunes or Apple uh, Podcasts. They're changing it. I get confused. Uh, or on Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast love. Go and leave a review. But more important go tell a friend. Most people who listen to the show, and I meet people at conferences I speak at and other places, who go, oh, I like your podcast. And I say, how did you even find it? And they say, somebody told me about it. Whether it's their boss or their coworker or an entrepreneur friend of theirs. They say, oh, this is interesting. It's a a good cross-section of different types of people. And that's why they got listening to the show. One guy told me the other day, he went on a 10-hour drive and he just binged like 20 episodes of the show. And I thought, that is way too much of me. I would get tired of me in 20 hours. But uh, i appreciated it just the same. And I told him, go tell somebody you did that. Uh, so go tell a friend. And I say it every single time we have a show. If it wasn't for those of you who listen, why would we do this? So keep coming back. I appreciate you. Uh, I do this show as it's a little university for you and for me. So keep coming back, tell a friend, uh, go out there, try some new things, push yourself, get out of your comfort zone. And while you're at it, have a great day.